Becky, look at her banner. It's beauty, bitch. Warning, this show contains adult content, strong language, mature themes, discussions of sexuality, politics, triggers, and <gasps> feminism. Listener discretion and or earphones are advised. Hello, bitches. Welcome to the Wildish Frontier. If you're new here, I'm Kelly McLean, astrologer, feminist, unapologetic liberal, and a proud bitch whisperer. Tonight, we are studying bitchstery, that is, history where badass bitches have been conveniently <clears throat> overlooked. I am joined, as usual, by my uber-organized and smarty pants partner, Smarty Pants Lisa. Hello, everybody. Yay! So... <laughs> How are you, Lise? I'm doing all right. Such a boring and, you know, uneventful life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't even had a chance. I, we Before the show, we always have a meeting to talk about, you know, what the hell we're talking about. And uh, I was going to, you know, look up and talk about a couple of current event news things because that's kind of what we do. Um, since Brittany has been freed, there's been less to talk about for me. <laughs> I mean, there's plenty of news, but I try to keep it focused on like, you know, feminist issues and women's rights and such. And, you know, there's things that we could focus on, but I just have had a day from hell. So we don't have any news. And that is the news. (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah. We're in denial, basically. So we'll just go on with our show. Yeah, exactly. We're in denial. We're just going to be in a bubble of, you know what? The world is just, it's doing so much better out there. So much that we just don't have anything to report on. No, um, I did want to say that I was listening to some news podcast and they are making quite a bit of progress with um, the treatment. Of, I'm really not sure who was in charge of naming this most recent variant. What is it? Omni, Omnicron? I don't know. It sounds like a freaking video game. It's stupid. <laughs> it is a video game. <laughs> but they they've gotten so much better at treating it now to where, you know, in the early days, if you were put on a ventilator, that was kind of like, not good. Um, but they've gotten to the point now where there's, um, I think it's a protease inhibitor, a pill that you can take. I don't even know what those words mean, but it's some sort of medical magic, um, that will treat it. So they're making a lot of progress. And then the boosters are supposed to boost your immunity, like, 40 fold or some crazy made up math number and um oh and then immune immune compromised people are being treated with I'm forgetting the verbiage now you know what I'm talking about smarty pants what is it? <laughs> it's um the can't remember the the thing that that the that the orange guy got treated with when he had it oh. Yeah. What am um, I trying to say? Uh, Redesmavir, is that how you say No, it? no, no, not the, not the pill. It's like cells or some sort of a, they just basically give you the immunity. Oh, okay. Um, what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I know what you mean. Anyway, <laughs> insert intelligent medical words here. Um, but they are able to give that treatment to um, immune compromised people now. People with cancer, people with, you know, other sorts of immune struggles. Um, So they are making some good progress. I I am choosing to feel optimistic despite the fact that we have a new variant that sounds like a video game. Um, And I, I, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. In another positive twist on that, they, the, the new way that they did this vaccine could lead to more vaccines for like things like more serious, like cancer and things like that, that they're. Yeah. They, like since it's been so successful against COVID, they're starting to study those kinds right. of things. So I think that's pretty cool. Well, like, like when we've been involved in wars, uh, you know, the unfortunate side effect is wounded people, people missing, like, like the Gulf War, you know, after the Gulf War, there was a huge uptick in the science of prosthetic limbs because of IEDs and da da da. So, you know, anytime, we go through some ugly shit like this, you know, the science works really hard and then we end up, you know, getting more than what we even intended to get 
on the on the flip side of it, if that makes sense. Not saying that war or COVID are good, just saying that scientifically and medically speaking, we do make a lot of progress during these types of battles. True. That is true. So, <clears throat> that's necessity me. is mother of invent invention, right? Is yes, exactly. And that, ladies and gentlemen, bitches and what do we call men? Bitches? <laughs> bitches and bitches. That is about as optimistic as I am going to get tonight. So <laughs> <laughs> that's some positive. That's some positive uh, developments, yeah. though. Sure. I mean, I am choosing to be optimistic about the the future. Uh, perhaps that is naive. <laughs> I don't know. I do think that, you know, we're we're going to get through this COVID shit. It's something that we're going to have to live with. It's not just going to like go away, evaporate. It's it's a virus. It wants to survive. I'm not trying to personify the virus, but you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, it will, it, viruses got a virus and <laughs> it'll mutate and, you know, we'll just um, try to stay ahead of it. But I feel like science is, is getting really close to being able to get ahead of it, I guess is what I'm saying. And then, uh, you know, the they rest of the fucked up have, in the world. Oh, sorry. Now they have antivirals. I feel like it's going to be, because remember like, you know, I don't know, eight, eight or nine years ago when everybody was going to be dead of bird flu. Oh yeah. And then they realized, oh, Cipro works for bird flu. Never mind. <laughs> so, I mean, I feel like, you know, there's still bird flu, but they're just like, oh, if you feel have get bird flu, then take Cipro. You're, you're good. Yeah. Yeah. Cipro. Some of those antibiotics are pretty gnarly. I mean, I'm glad they exist. I, I'm allergic to a bunch of them, but monoclonal antibodies, that's what I was trying to say. So immune compromised people get monoclonal antibody therapy. No wonder I couldn't think of it. That's a don't lot of um, pumpkin smart spice Hitler to get that. You don't have to be what? Pumpkin spice Hitler. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I struggle to not go in a political direction on a regular basis, but um you know, with the <laughs> the Epstein, you know, her name is Ghislaine, Ghislaine, um, yes. but everybody has trouble pronouncing her name. And one of the podcasts I listen to, she mispronounces everything, not even on purpose, just like out of, you know, kind of <laughs> ignorance. And she always calls her Ghislaine, which I think is really perfect considering what she is. Ghislaine is a perfect name for her. So um, Trump's name has come up. A number of times and I shan't go there today because my vodka is only a knuckle deep right now but um it would be really beautiful if Trump had to be involved in the Ghislaine trial <laughs> perp walk oh my god anyway <laughs> let's talk about some fucking bitchery shall we let's do it so bitches if you're studying along at home which hopefully you are uh, we are on lesson 12, which is appropriate since we are in the 12th month. We haven't been doing bitch three for 12 months. Um, I think we've been doing it about six because we try to do this every other week. But I don't know. I was amused by simple math things because it's what's keeping me sane right now. So um, it's December and it's the month of all the holidays. And a lot of those holidays acknowledge, um, you know, Jesus and well, not all of them. But even even the um, the Muslim holidays, the Quran is what I'm trying to say, acknowledges um, Jesus and Mary. So point, Kelly, get to the fucking point. Words, pick some. Um, we are talking about the Marys. The title of this episode is there's something about the Marys because there's a whole bunch of them um, in the Bible. But they're also um, at well, Mary, Jesus's mother is also mentioned in the Quran. That was my point. Yes, Jesus is a prophet in the Quran, isn't he? That they, yeah. They, yeah. So I very, very briefly in college dated this really lovely guy. He smelled amazing and he smoked cigarettes in this really sexy way. And uh, he had a name that was many syllables, but he just went by Gus. But um, he was Muslim. And I, in college, was very square and Christian. I've, you know... I've changed. <laughs> Not so square. Um, anyway, um, we had a lovely sort of intellectual rapport and we were, I don't know, having coffee somewhere at some point. And I was really sincerely wanting to understand more about the Muslim religion because I knew nothing at that point. 
And he said, we believe in Jesus. We believe he was a prophet. We just don't believe he was the prophet. And I went, oh. And so then I went to the library and I went to the card catalog. Remember the card catalog? Those were the days. I love the card catalog. It's such an OCD wet dream, the card catalog. It's just good shit. I don't. I haven't been to a library in a while. I don't know if they still have it because now it's all computerized, but they should still have it just for the sake of preserving history, really. Um, so I did some of my own research and, you know, there was so many parallels between the, the Muslim historical stories and the Christian historical stories. Um, they just chose to, well, chose, they just believed that certain people were different in their versions of the story. So I don't know, that was my kind of my first awakening to the fact that perhaps there's more than one road to God. <laughs> so and that's a whole other show. We were talking about the Marys. Um, most people are at least um, marginally aware of the number of Marys in the Bible. We're mostly approaching this from a biblical perspective because that's kind of what we know, at least myself. Um, there's just a whole bunch of Marys and <laughs> I didn't really have any confusion about this until honestly a few years ago. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. So we all know that there's the Virgin Mary, mother of Jesus. Then there's Mary Magdalene, who has been a topic on my shows a couple times at least. And she's a very controversial figure um, controversial figure, um, depending on who you talk to. And then there's Mary of Bethany, Mary, wife of Clopas and Mary, mother of Mark. So we are, this is going to be a two-parter because that seems to be what we like doing lately. <laughs> so tonight we're talking about the Virgin Mary and then on our next bitchery show, I don't know if we're doing that next week or the week after we have to have a, a powwow about it, but our next bitchery episode will be about Mary Magdalene, which is, I'm just fascinated by her. So um, quickly, we'll just kind of go through the Marys as we understand them thus far. So obviously, Mary, mother of Jesus, she is who she is. Um, Mary Magdalene is a controversial figure because she has been um, conflated with a, a, at least two other Marys. So I grew up thinking that Mary Magdalene was a prostitute and we will talk much more about this on the next show, but, um, that has been sort of rescinded. The Pope in like 1969 separated the prostitute Mary from Mary Magdalene, but Mary Magdalene has a really interesting role. She's like I said, a source of controversy because was she, she was a disciple or was she like, she's not really included in the Bible because patriarchy, but, um, she was clearly very important to Jesus. Um, and you know, there's, there's some thoughts that she was much more significant to him than just a disciple. Again, we'll get into that next time. Then there's Mary of Bethany, as she's referred. Um, that is the sister of Martha and Lazarus, Lazarus, who was raised from the dead. So I just learned this the other day prepping for this show. I did not know that there was controversy about Mary of Bethany being the same person as Mary Magdalene. Did you know that, Lise? I did not know that, no. Yeah. I did not know that was a thing, that that was a question. But about every other article flip-flops back and forth. Um, some people firmly believe that Mary of Bethany is the same person as Mary Magdalene. Some people adamantly believe they're separate people. So again, a little bit of a teaser. We'll get into that next time. Um, and then there's Mary, wife of Clopas, which is Mother Mary's sister-in-law. And I think that this Mary was with Mother Mary during the crucifixion, but also so is Mary Magdalene. So many Marys. It's no wonder we're all confused. And then Mark's mother was also Mary. So <laughs> it's very confusing. Um but tonight we are just going to kind of talk about the Virgin Mary, which seems apropos because, uh, you know, it's Christmas, even though it probably wasn't December when this all happened. <laughs> but, yeah. 
that's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's some, I was going to say, that's something we didn't really put in our notes. Um, there are different um, theories about when Jesus was actually born. You heard April. Uh, because if it was the shepherds, the shepherds and the that were sleeping outside, fields. they were yeah. sheeping out, sleeping outside during the lambing sheeping. season, which is April. They were sheeping outside, indeed. Sleeping, sleeping yeah. outside, yes. Yeah. Um, I forgot to, I mean, I didn't really think about this until just now, but I had also heard at some point, perhaps September, and I don't know why, but um, yeah. Well, they also said that because there was a census going on, like we're, I'll talk a little bit about the history of it, mm-hmm. like in a minute, but um, the reason that they were traveling is because there was a tax census happening. Right. That happened in the spring, I guess. Okay. Well then there you go. Um, okay. Well let's dive into the history. So we're starting with the, the historical context of Mary and Joseph and our notes are pretty funny. You guys, our notes are what the fuck is a manger? Why the fuck a man a donkey at nine months pregnant? So join us if you will, for a very, <laughs> which is why we're getting coal for Christmas. Cause exactly. we're, we're cussing on the Mary Magdalene or the Mary, mother Mary show. Exactly. But you know, I choose um, a sense of humor anyway. So Jesus was did have a good sense of humor. He liked to party. Yeah. Um, so, as you guys know, I'm like a history nerd, so I'm just going to go through just brief history of Palestine during that time. Um, in 63 um, BC, or before the Common Era, uh, Rome took over Palestine. And so, during that time, Palestine was right in between Rome's two, two of their most valuable territories, which was Egypt and Syria. Palestine was right in the middle. And they, so they had like, um, you know, legions on either side or whatever, but Palestine, a lot of those territories, they let kings um, govern for them. As long as they were friendly and allies of Rome, they were okay just to leave these, they used to call them client kings, but they're really kind of puppet kings. (laughs) They're just, they're kings, but they're, you know, basically Roman kings. Right. Um, And ruling Palestine at the time that, um, right before Jesus was born and during this time was Herod the Great. And later, there's a, as there's a lot of Marys, there are also a lot of Herods. So we'll, I'll try to sort those out a little bit. But Yeah, that's um, true. Yeah, Herod so the Great, Herod I've never Great. heard him called that. Does he name himself that, Herod the Great? I'm going to give myself a title. Give yourself a title, Lisa. <laughs> Herod the Mediocre. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Kelly the fucking Spectacular. And Lisa the... You get to pick your own. Yes. <laughs> I'll have to think you of it. You said a brilliant. The nerdy. I'll, na- I'll name you for you. <laughs> um, but yeah, so as long as as long as long the the region stayed stable and peaceful, the Romans pretty much left those kings alone. So Herod was actually, the Herod the Great, I should say, he was the ruler of um, Judea between 37 and 4 BCE. Um, and Herod was... Um, psycho. Like, if there was sort of like the Real Housewives of Judea, like his his family would have been in there. I tried to write down all the people that he killed, and I got tired of writing. I was a sociopath. He had ten wives, and each produced princes, and each of these princes were squabbling for power. They're all hungry for power, so there are many of the like the few brothers poisoned each other. Um, and it just, he got to be so paranoid from all this squabbling within even his own family. Um, he put three of his sons to death. Oh. He put to death his favorite wife and her mother. Rude. Um, he, and then, like I said, then I got tired of writing all these people. So he, but he killed several uncles and some cousins, <laughs> basically just trying to stay in power. So this is the kind oh, of nice mindset guy. that he was in when the prophecy of Micah came to be when mm-hmm. They said that, you know, the king of the Jews was going to be born in Bethlehem. Right. Um, So, you know, he was looking at citizens of Bethlehem and things like that. But then um, during this time, Caesar Augustus said that that Palestine and Galilee in general during this time was pretty prosperous. Um, There was a lot of people who had like big estates and stuff like that. But even regular farmers could afford, um, you know, to support their families and pay taxes 
And they'd also offer sacrifices during festivals. And they, they even took sabbatical years where there were um, there was no planting allowed. And it was partly to honor their gods, but also partly the soil to replenish itself because, you know, the nutrients would, you know, get back or whatever. So during this time, the Jews were the kind of the first people who were sort of toying with the idea of there only being one God. Um, the mo a lot of people in that region were still kind of um, worshiping Roman gods and, you know, doing their own thing. But the Jews had one temple, but they were still doing sort of things like sacrificing animals. Yeah. Which they would do like during pagan times or whatever. But anyway, the sort of a transition right there. But um, so Herod was like completely insane and he was just totally power hungry. And he was ruling this very prosperous area where they, the Romans collected a lot of taxes from there. They had a lot of crops and a lot of animals and things like that. So they paid a lot of taxes. So Caesar Augustus um, issued a decree that everybody should return to their kind of home territories to be counted for the census for taxation purposes, basically. Um, so Mary um, was living in Nazareth with her husband, Joseph, and she didn't have to. Joseph was the one who was actually from Bethlehem, right. but she didn't have to go back with him but she was afraid because she was very very pregnant obviously yeah. she didn't want her baby to be born while joseph was away at this tax census so right. she decided to go with him so as the crow flies from uh nazareth to bethlehem is about 70 miles um they weren't very prosperous they were still sort of a young couple i guess um whenever you see pictures of you know the virgin mary she always kind of looks like what you think of a young mother today like right. late 20s early 30s, 30s yeah but back in that day, young wives were like between 12 and 16. Mary could have been as young as 13 or 14 during this yeah, time. Yeah, I read that she was like 17 to 19, but yeah, which I like better. But, you know, it was really common once women, once girls, you know, entered, what's it, menarche when they started their periods and they could officially be fertile, um, right. they were eligible to be married. And that's true of many cultures back in the day. Right. God, well, changed. I mean, and I think most people live till what, 35 or something. Well, yeah. So, another good yeah. reason to start young. Cause, damn. <laughs> they had to get that out of the way. Um, <laughs> so anyway, they went on this five day journey. They only had one donkey. So Mary's nine months pregnant riding this donkey. Uh, yeah. So we have to stop here. Okay. My entire um, career as a mother, <laughs> this is the part that I focused on. <laughs> yes. I mean, I mean, I just couldn't get over it being nine months pregnant and being on a donkey. So when my kids were really little, we had a bunch of um, nativities. I had a bunch of different ones all around the house. And I had this one that I'd won at some stupid bunko, which I don't even know how to play. But at some point I was at a bunko thing with girls from high school who I don't even like. But anyway, <laughs> I had won this silly little nativity. And I say silly because it was very kind of like country, which isn't my my style at all. So it's like, it's like this little metal barn and, um, you know, all the little country looking figures. And so Mandy was only like, I don't know, three or four at the time. And so I would always like arrange them as you do with the nativity, you know, with the Holy family in the middle. And then the, the shepherds are out here and an animal here and there, you know, as you do. And every morning I would get up and everybody would be shut into the barn with the little doors <laughs> <laughs> because Mandy had OCD even back then. And so I'm like, Mandy, this isn't Jesus jail. Like they need to come out. They need to spread out. We, this is, and so I would take those opportunities to explain why the people were where they were. So the shepherds were in the field watching the flocks by night. And so they were like, Hey, look at the star. And the angel told them to go. And so they went. Da, 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 da. So I would tell the whole story and try to convince Mandy not to put everybody in Jesus jail at night. So I would tell the whole story and then I would get out like the children's Bible and read the, you know, the story of, you know, when they traveled to Bethlehem and the whole nine. And this is not in the children's Bible, but it damn well should be. And so I would stop and say to the kids, Cliff, do you remember when I was almost ready to have Mandy and I was really big and pregnant and I was uncomfortable? And he was like, yeah, I'm like, if you can imagine that being on a donkey for a long time, several days. He's like, whoa, Mandy had no idea. Mandy, Mandy's concern was, why was Jesus in the barn? Didn't it smell? 
animals are smelly. <laughs> I was like, Jesus was cool with it. He didn't mind. And she's like, <laughs> so he anyway. didn't have a hay allergy. So that was good for real or you know an aversion to the smell of manure but uh i'm like no it's jesus like he's cool with the animals and she's like all right i just think it's kind of gross i'm like well you know so mandy said why didn't they stay in a hotel (laughs) and i'm like well there was a convention in town and all the hotels were booked up so there's a convention as a matter of fact (laughs) yeah yeah exactly so you know, I was trying to explain to her what the hell a manger was. And I'm like, well, you know, it's kind of like a barn. So anyway, I, the the donkey nine months pregnant journey part is the part that I focused on when my kids were little because I cannot imagine if you've had a baby, you know that when you're nine months pregnant, you've got the lightning crotch thing going on, which is like these sharp shooting pains that happen in your nether regions and everything hurts. It's just, I cannot imagine. So anyway, on with the show. I just needed to insert that part. My, yeah, my like complete childhood association with the nativity scene is my aunt had a really pretty nativity scene. Mm -hmm. It was kind of large, you know, whatever. And she always had it on top of her, um, you know how, like when we used to have those TVs that were like this whole big extravaganza of a stereo, a TV and, you know, yeah. A kitchen yeah. sink, whatever. Yeah, yeah. So she had it on top of there. Hers was kind of tall. So it was on top of there. But the cat would sometimes get on there and make off with baby Jesus. Oh, nice. I have a cat story, too. He, Yeah, he wasn't interested in the camels or Joseph, anything. He just wanted baby Jesus. So he, so every now and again, he'd get up there and, you know, you'd find baby Jesus, God knows where. And Literally. so my aunt would, like, <laughs> spray him. Like, she had a little spray bottle. Yeah. And so when yeah. he got to the next nativity, she'd squirt him. Uh-huh. And... So, but then other times she'd be other, you know, other places in the house. And when she was either would hear him near there or she somehow would divining that he was about to get to Jesus, she'd scream out, get away from Jesus or I'll spray you. <laughs> so, you bastard. <laughs> so every time I see nativity, something in my head goes, get away from Jesus or I'll spray you. <laughs> exactly. We had, um, we had the coolest cat when I was growing up. He was an orange and white Manx. Orange and white cats have their own kind of cool, really chill personalities. This cat let me dress him up. He let me push him around in a baby stroller. He was the chillest cat ever. And then Manx cats also have their own personality. But anyway, this cat was super damn cool. And my mom had this nativity that was carved out of olive wood. And it was one piece. So the the figures were just carved into this piece of wood. And every year she would put it under the tree because it was just one piece so nobody could get lost. And our cat, OJ, would just sit there and lick it <laughs> for hours. So the wood must have, you know, seeped something tasty, olive flavoring or something. But he was constantly licking <laughs> the nativity. <laughs> Poor nativities were abused greatly by kitty cats. I know. But Jesus loves the kitties, so it's fine. Okay, so, so Mary's on a donkey. She's real unhappy she's, and young. Well, and, but I like I don't know. I guess it kind of came as a surprise to me too that she chose to go. Right. Because Joseph well, was she like, was "I need you to go," and yeah. she's like, "I'm going." So um, Jesus or Joseph said, "You know, I wear the pants in this family. I wear the robe in this family." Mary's like, "I'm going." I wear the robe in so, this family. So yeah, so he he walked he walked the seventy miles. So I guess he really. He didn't have it much better because they only had one donkey. Kidding. Yeah. So she sat on the donkey and he walked it or whatever. Um, but there was because everybody was in town for this taxation thing. There was no room at no room at any of the hotels. Right. They, right. No orbits or exp- Expedia back then. So yeah. Booking.com. Nope. Nope. Noper. So um, and then he, you know, he tried to see if he could stay with his relatives. And it's just like it was just full, full up there. So they went back to the inn and they were like, we look, we don't have anywhere to stay. So they're like, all right, we've opened up some of the stables because there, there are a lot of people in this, in this um, situation. So it's been mean, like a, a comic con convention or something. And, well, and I thought this was like manger was like the building. Yeah, no, it's but, the manger is the, the feed trough thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It comes from, well, the word manger, I guess, comes from the Latin word mundicare. I checked with my dad who went to Catholic school and he did in fact confirm that this means to eat. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So, Anja. Anja. But I mean, it kind of also, you know, like my dad sort of explained to that 
because he's like laying in this thing that where they feed, there's also, there's so many throughout Jesus's life or, you know, after his death, so many euphemisms about food, spirit, mm-hmm. like sustenance. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you know, whatever. And cause That's he was in the food trough or whatever. So anyway, he's laying in there and Herod is insane. And so, and he knows of this prophecy that the, that the king of the Jews is going to be born. And the cows are hungry because they can't get to their food. And they're like, why is this? Like, why is this kid in our food trough? What's food in my baby in my plate. And the cows are like, by the way, we're pagan. We don't care. Um, <laughs> we're Hindu. <laughs> exactly. We're Hindu. Um, so Herod, like, he's trying to find out where this baby is. So he sends the three wise men under the guise of like, I want to find him and worship him. Oh. When actually he was really trying to find him to kill him to keep his power. But were they double agents? I don't think the wise men knew from what I, what, from what I know, I think the wise men were actually, you know, they thought that they were, that he, that the king was sending them there so that he could worship him. Oh, right, and right. I feel like this was the beginning of the tradition of getting gifts that you hate, but you have to pretend yeah, that you right. like. Yeah. Cause I'm sure Mary yeah. was like, yes, I, yeah. an infant can't have enough myrrh. So thank you right. so much. And it smells so lovely. Thank y'all. I know. And then somebody um, by later, it's just like, she has a newborn. I'm going to do a drum solo. Thank you. So yeah. Right. So yeah, this was like the beginning of like that tradition of like that's getting stupid gifts awesome. when you're just like, thank you. Yeah. What an idiot. So that's anyway, funny. um, and the three wise men were very likely astrologers. Yes, I love that story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I also, I especially love it in Life of Brian. <laughs> oh, I, 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 I don't like that movie. I'd have to rewatch it. I don't remember that part. Oh, well, because the ma, the ma, well, the Virgin Mary's asking him, like, he's a Capricorn. <laughs> he's just like, he's the Messiah. He's the Savior. He's this. And she's like, that's Capricorn, eh? <laughs> I should rewatch it. I hated it when I was in college because, as I mentioned, I was very square and it was so sacrilegious. But also the barfing scene, just I was like, I just cannot. I cannot with this. No. So no, I can't. love the Holy Grail, which, you know, I have that one memorized, but Life of Brian, I'll have to revisit. I didn't know it had Capricorn references. <laughs> that's Capricorn, eh? Oh, that's funny. Uh, anyway, so yeah, Herod had sent them or whatever, and but Herod ended up dying it, right after Jesus, when Jesus oh. was still little. After they had fled to Egypt, the Holy Family like fled to Egypt. Joseph had a dream, basically, and the Annunciation Angel. It was Gabriel, right, who told him to yeah, go I to Egypt? Yeah, I believe so. Mm-hmm. So they went to Egypt or whatever. Um, Herod ended up dying. Herod the Great ended up dying. So they, I know. So they split his kingdom into five parts. And so um, Herod Archelaus was one of his sons and he got part. Um, Herod Antipas got, you know, Galilee and some other things. Um, But eventually they only ruled for a couple years. Well, Archelaus did because, um, the Emperor Augustus found him unsatisfactory. There was unrest and all kinds of things going on there. So they got rid of him and they put in his in his stead a prefect, basically, of Rome. Um, and as the prefect was like, he basically would, like, would stay kind of on the um, shores of the Mediterranean. And then he'd just sort of come into the city to, you know, have court and do other things. But the person who ran the day-to-day of the city was like the high priest. So as Jesus was growing up, that prefect was none other than um, of Holy Bible and Jesus Christ superstar fame, Pontius Pilate. Right. And the high priest that was in charge of day-to-day running the city and collecting taxes, making sure tribute was paid, was Caiaphas. Right. So that's how that all, that's how that all fell into place or whatever. But um, at this time... You know, Mary was still a young mother. She 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 knew that she had to I mean protect her baby like any mom, but this time the Holy Family fled to Egypt, which was still under Roman rule at that time. But right. um there's not really a whole lot that's known between like Jesus' growing up years, you know what I mean? Yeah, I know. There's the one story where he is I forget if it mentions how old, but he's definitely young, like toddler or very young school age, where mm-hmm. he is in the temple and he starts preaching or teaching. <laughs> they couldn't find him, and then they found him like 
being all Jesus. <laughs> being all Jesus-y. Yeah. But yeah, when his when his public life started, like when he was, you know, or I guess early 30s or whatever, then yeah. Pilate was the prefect and then, you know, that's all that happened. But they just, um, I, guess, I mean, like Herod's kids really didn't, um, I don't think they were as crazy as their dad was. It's yeah, like, doesn't it seem so like it, yeah. I think they kind of left him, you know, after Herod died, they just sort of were like, who cares? You know. <laughs> we have other things to do. Yeah. They're like, we can, we can raid the temple coffers. Yeah, Let him I was dad Jews obsessed with this dude. Yeah. Yeah. But Mary, I just, I mean, it's just fascinating to me how young she was when she... Yeah. She had well. There, there are so many things that she volunteered. I mean, I wouldn't say volunteered for, but like when the Annunciation Angel came and told her yeah. that she was going to get pregnant, that she said, "Okay." I mean, at such a young age, you know what I mean? Well, that's the thing is, she was such a symbol of just unwavering faith. And I learned something yesterday that I never knew. This won't be news to everyone, but it was to me. The Immaculate Conception, quote unquote, does not refer to the virgin birth. The Immaculate Conception, did you know this? Refers to the conception of Mary in her mother's womb, her mother, St. Anne, which I didn't know her name either until yesterday, meaning there was, it was believed that Mary and Jesus both were shielded somehow from original sin. So the Immaculate Conception refers to Mary basically being free of original sin when she was conceived within her mother. So old school Catholics believe that Mary was basically perfect without sin. Um, Cause I was listening to Christmas music on the way home tonight with kids. And um, there's this song by Pentatonix, which I'm sure you guys have heard. It's a beautiful song. Um, Mary, did you know? And mm -hmm. One of the verses, Mary, did you know that your baby boy, blah, blah, blah. And it says, um, it's there's some lyrical reference to he's come to save you also. And I thought, well, that's interesting because there's a school of thought that, that believes that Mary didn't need any saving, that she was without sin. Um, interesting. I didn't know that. I've always, like many people, used the phrase immaculate conception and virgin birth like interchangeably, but not the same thing. Didn't know that. I did not know that. Yeah. And I didn't even know that there was, I was raised Lutheran. So we're kind of like the, the rebels of <laughs> um, kind of the original Protestants. Um, yeah. I just, I, we as Lutherans, I don't believe ever looked at, well, we didn't revere the Virgin Mary the way the Catholic faith, faith does. Um, we thought she was a real cool gal and definitely <laughs> so um, many Hail Marys going uh, right now. Yeah, we didn't do any of that. Uh, definitely, you know, worthy of respect. Um, we never in my recollection thought she was perfect or without sin. Um, just a real pinnacle of faith, really a great example of just faith unconditional. And, um, yeah, so I was really interested in that whole, I don't know, I mean, you guys can chime in if you're listening live. Um, if, if this is news to you or not, it was, it was lots of news to me. So yeah, the immaculate conception has nothing to do with the virgin birth. The virgin birth is the virgin birth. The immaculate conception refers to Mary basically being untouched by Satan, um, in within her mother. Interesting, huh? Interesting. Yes, very interesting. Yeah, and I posted I, that well, on my personal Facebook page, and no one liked it. That's Facebook <laughs> is so stupid. I'm so over it. They're like, I want Mary to be sinful. I don't believe this. No, I think they all unfriended me because of political reasons. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> so, I don't blame them. You know, they're just like, first she's, you know, ranting about Trump, and now she's talking about the Immaculate Conception. Kelly, shut up. Go home, you're <laughs> drunk. But, um, yeah. So. Well, and I think Mary's kind of badass too, because she was actually she well. She's supposed to be well educated for her day, especially for a woman. Right. right. Um, you know, she was. Her dad owned a. Um, I like. I learned where she met Joseph. I didn't know this. I guess her dad owned like a. Um, he was a builder. And he okay. sort of, you know, so he like employed different people. Um, and one day he was having actually a, 
uh, addition put on their house. Oh, so he hired Joseph as like a contractor. Yeah. And Mary's just like, he looked, you know, hot. She was like, hot with him through temperature, the window. so she brought him a cup uh-huh. of water. Oh, really? And they started chatting and. Where did you read this? The rest, they say, is history. I have never. I think it was the um, Judea Inquirer. I don't remember. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yes. Um, yeah. And then you and I were talking about, we were talking about the name Mary and how it's just so confusing. It's just like Bob Smith. Um, <laughs> yeah. In Islam, Maryam, M-A-Y, or sorry, M-A-R-Y-A-M is kind of how she's referred. Well, she's referred to a couple of ways, but Maryam is kind of a, an Islamic, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Anyway, name. Um, but yeah, it would have been nice if they could have, you know, differentiated like Mary C, Mary R, <laughs> Mary M. <laughs> like, come on guys. You know that there was a lot of Marys. You did this on purpose. Yeah. There, well, and, if you ever read like a lot of English history, like everybody's named Anne. There's, <laughs> oh like, my God. Annes. I'm like, which Anne are we talking about now? I don't remember. <laughs> no. When I started researching my own um, family history, mm-hmm. it's impossible because Scottish history is very confusing anyway. Cause we've got the French and we got the English and then there's the Scots and it's, it's very muddled. And then everybody's named the same damn thing. And like, King James of Scotland was King Edward of England. I'm screwing that up, I'm sure. But he had two different names in two different jurisdictions. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, like he was King. It wasn't Edward, was it? Did I James. Make this up? Was that King James? King James the first and King James the sixth. Yeah, but there was one that was like a completely different name of England. It was like King something of England, King something the first of England, and then King James the something of Scotland. Anyway. Sixth, I think. Or first, very first of Scotland, but sixth of England, I think. Yeah, something like that. Okay. But I thought there was a different name in there anyway. It doesn't matter. But it's very confusing because in royal history, everybody's Elizabeth or Anne or <laughs> Edward. There's, it's so hard to make sense of what's going on. I've yeah, it's it, my brain shuts down after a while, but yeah, so many Marys. Um, do you want to talk about the, since we have a little bit of time, you want to talk about some of the archetypes of Mother Mary? Well, I mean, a lot of the things that I read about her are just, you know, like I was saying before, like that she was just, um, you know, so loving, so tender. She's like the, the perfect mom, you know what I mean? Yeah, She's like... Yeah. She's a homemaker, this and that. But, I mean, I, there's so much more to her if you consider, you know, that she she's, she was, like, adventurous, I guess. Like, she, you know, like, I want to I want to go with you, too, you know, 70 miles on a donkey when I'm nine months pregnant. She sounds or, like a Sagittarius. <laughs> she might have been. Who yeah. Um, yeah, so the Virgin Mary is revered in um, a lot of different religions, not just Christianity as sort of um well and you know in i don't know if i would call it paganism but you know the goddess mary as a a goddess archetype is is the one you go to when you feel like crap about yourself when you need you know to feel loved when you are missing that mother piece in your life then you can call on mary um as a goddess and and a, a deity under herself I'm waiting for lightning to strike me. Um, you know, there's, she was like the perfect nurturer, the, the most loving being ultimate, you know, um, figure of faith and trust. And yeah. So there's, well, if you go to Egypt too, there is a lot of like iconography of Mary. Yeah. Um, even though, I mean, now now Egypt's obviously, you know, largely a Muslim country, but especially in Egypt, they have, um, or in Cairo, I mean, they have a Coptic section uh-huh. and, you know, Coptic Christians. And they have, I went to like a church there that's got this huge, um, it's not a statue, but it's like a painting, mm-hmm. um, a, fr- a frieze, I guess they call it, of uh, Mary. But, they're, you know, St. Mary's, um, it's the same kind of thing. She's, she's revered yeah. there. 
Um, and even, yeah. even like the Orthodox churches, the Eastern Orthodox churches love Mary, of course. Yeah, she um, she sort of transcends religion in that way because so many different belief systems do so revere her um, for unconditional love and forgiveness, um, being able to love yourself, healing, feeling, um, compassion, healing the inner child, all of that stuff. It's really interesting. She definitely, she definitely deserves to be a bitchery lesson. <laughs> I hope she, she has agree. a sense of humor about the word. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And I, you know, back at the beginning when she was visited by the angel and was told you're with child, I'm sure she was like, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> no, no, no. I think you have the wrong address. <laughs> um, you know, but she was always humble and like accepted it. I mean, it does say that she was like, no. <laughs> and they were like, yes. And she was like, if you say so, okay. Um, and then she just, you know, kind of went with it. I mean, that's pretty freaking amazing. Right. She, well, and she also, um, I, it's almost like she's, she's, She's loving so much, and it just makes the part where she becomes a tragic figure that much more heartbreaking. Oh, totally. Yeah, totally. She's, you know, waiting outside the tomb where she waited throughout the entire crucifixion. Oh, yeah, I can't even. She wouldn't leave him alone. I can't even imagine. I cannot either. It's so, it is heartbreaking. Um, I had a train of thought, and it went away. (laughs) Damn it. But you're right. She is she is sort of the archetype of unconditional love. And it just even I mean, even the archetype of also self-sacrifice, I guess. Oh, gosh, yes. Um, But after I mean, there's a lot there's a lot of different theories about, you know, what happened after the crucifixion. Like some people yeah. say, some some's like she went to um, France. Some people say she went to India. Some people, I mean, there's, you know, there's yeah. any number of theories about what she did after Jesus. Well, and that, that question mark continues with Mary Magdalene after the crucifixion too, but we'll get into that next time. But I mean, so here's Mary, let's just sort of like pick an age in the middle and say she's 15 or 16, right? Mm-hmm. She's a virgin. She and Joseph are betrothed, but you know, they haven't fooled around. Um, and she's like, Hey, um, so I'm pregnant and he's like, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, he, uh, he too, uh, he kind of gets shafted in the story. Like he was such a man of honor to, you know, take care of her the way he did. Um, because he didn't have to, he could have been like, you know, you're wicked and obviously a cheater, but he had faith too. So it is a remarkable story about faith. Right. There are some scientific attempts to explain the virgin birth, by the way. In the animal kingdom, it's called parthenogenesis, where an animal can basically reproduce without sex, um, without intercourse. Um, And I read a whole bunch of stuff about this, but um, I guess there was one case, I don't know what country this was in, but like a third world sort of situation where this girl, young woman, was born without a vaginal opening. And she had some other, like, genetic stuff going on, obviously. So the story goes, plug your ears, Mother Mary. Sorry, it's going to get a little rated PG-13 here. Um, (laughs) The story goes that she was given her boyfriend a blowjob and then something happened and she was stabbed in the stomach and the contents of her stomach then because of the wound leaked into her uterus which was functioning and the sperm which apparently survived the gastric acid took root and she became pregnant um and then she had a baby by c-section I could provide, <laughs> I could provide the sources. I'll maybe post it later. I'll post it in the show notes when we put this up on podcast. But, um, I mean, that's a real stretch. That's a real, like, what? <laughs> so, and I, yeah. Um, 
So obviously I don't think, you know, Mary was stabbed and that's like just a whole other thing, but there are scientific um, instances where it's possibly happened. But like, I mean, if we're talking about miracles, I mean, a miracle is a miracle. So like if she could contribute a Y chromosome somehow out of the blue, she would have had to have been like intersex where she would have had like both, um, uh, both sexes, but the, the male would have had to have been like, you know, hidden. And it's not like they had OBGYNs back then that were going to diagnose her. So, I mean, it's, it's possible that there's some scientific explanation for it. However, no matter how you spin it, it's still kind of a freaking miracle. So, um, and there, I mean, even now though, there's been a lot of, I don't know, mir- like quote unquote miracle sightings mm-hmm. of the Virgin Mary. Oh yeah. You know, whenever in the Coptic area in Cairo, like I was talking about, there's actually a church down there where over a period of like three years, two or three years, I think it happened like in the sixties or whatever that the Virgin Mary supposedly appeared on the, on the roof of the church, I guess. You know, we should have um, looked into that. We could do a whole show just on Virgin Mary sightings. But I remember when I was a teenager in my early twenties, a news story that, that had come up about um, of, of an apparition of the Virgin Mary in somebody's Christmas lights. And they had, you know, examined to see if the paint was peeling in a certain way and yada, yada, yada. And um, those kinds of stories are everywhere. I mean, there's been sightings of the Virgin Mary everywhere in every part of the world. Right. There, there's a, um, well, and this is in the hill country of Austin, Texas, of all places. I went to school <laughs> in Austin and I took a comparative religion class. And one of our, like once a month, we had to go to a service of a religion that was other than our own. And so I went to actually. Everyone should have to take class. that class, by the way. It was very cool. Yeah. Dr. Shirley, I loved him. Anyway, um, <laughs> so there's this Russian Orthodox church way up in the hills of Austin, and they have a, it's like a wooden painting, or it's like a, you know, painting on a thing of wood uh-huh. that weeps myrrh. Oh, wow. And yeah, so you can go up there and, um, they they put little cotton balls at the bottom to collect the myrrh, and then if you come, they'll anoint you on the forehead with the myrrh. That kind of stuff is fascinating to me. I know, and I, you know, like I'm a complete skeptic. And me very, too, but it I'm is fascinating. Just like trying to like non like inconspicuously sort uh-huh. of look to the side or right, like if, if it's a trick, I don't know how they're doing it because it's very. I mean, it's yeah, it's very thin painting hanging on a wall. There's no openings in the. No oh, little holes. I looked very close when the monk that's left. Wild. <laughs> so, that's really wild. Those trick, kinds of stories are. Those are fascinating stories because uh, I too am naturally a skeptic. Like I think most people when we hear things like that, but that's pretty freaking amazing. Yeah, for lack cool. of a better word. Yes. Um, but yeah. Huh. The Virgin Mary, a badass bitchery lesson. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And well, as, along with celebrating the beauty, I think the nativity is, you know, like, I don't know much about the Bible, but I feel like the nativity is like, do. that's sort of the beautiful part of the Bible, you know, hope, birth of hope yeah. and light and love and things like that. And it's interesting astrologically too, because, you know, during these shortest days and, you know, everything is, it gets dark early and astrologically we are literally waiting for the return of the sun S U N and the birth of the sun S O N. So the way that astrology sort of secretly holds hands with religion is very interesting to me. Right. Well, and there's also a lot of, um, parallels with some of the Egyptian I mean, you know, Christianity Uh sort of took stories from different. Oh, for sure. They were trying to, Fold in everything to the Roman kingdom. You're already worshiping trees, Druids. Uh-huh, so uh-huh. we're going um, to yeah, make the, your so trees Isis, represent right. Jesus. Yeah. But we're going to have a star on the top. Yeah. But I, yeah, Isis, you know, had a virgin birth uh-huh. as well. So, I mean, yeah, there's, there's lots of parallel. They all we just could, kind yeah, of, we can, do, we can do a whole stories on that too. A whole show on that too. Like different, you know, think stories that are in the Bible that were from uh-huh. different 
other traditions or oh, the flood story. There's pretty much a parallel in all the religions of the great flood. And yeah, that's a very interesting. I'm no um, world religions expert. I know a little bit about a lot of things, but um, yeah, it is. It's very interesting. So um, next bitchery, next bitchery lesson, we are going to cover Mary Magdalene and all of her uh, many hats, the many roles that have been assigned to her. Um, we seem to know a little bit more about Mary Magdalene than we do uh, the Virgin Mary. Um, it's a pretty, it's a pretty interesting rabbit hole. So I'm looking forward to that one too. And I don't know if we're doing that next week or the week after, but we'll have a confab and let you guys know. So I think we're out of time, Lisa. I appreciate your big brain. <laughs> Thank you. You're it like, I don't know that much about the Bible. I'm like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> that was none of that was about the Bible. That was all about yeah, you're pretty Roman history. Oh, you're pretty smart. That's why we call you Smarty Pants Lisa. Um, anyway, all right, you guys have a great weekend. Uh, I'm getting a COVID booster shot this weekend, so I don't know what I'll be doing, but, uh, be good, be good bitches. And, um, we will, uh, do smarty pants things again in a week or two. And that is it. Thanks, Scott. We appreciate your efforts to juggle chainsaws with uh, live 365 and all that in the background. <laughs> And uh, we will be back in a week-ish, something. All right. Bye. Bye, everybody. <laughs>